I want to extend on behalf of the London Police Service my sincerest apology to the victim, to her family, for the amount of time that it has taken to reach this point. That is the London, Ontario police chief apologizing yesterday for how long it has taken for this sexual assault case to get to the stage where charges have now been laid against five former Team Canada players. Part of the reason it took so long, Hockey Canada's reliance on non-disclosure agreements. Now, have you ever been asked to sign one of these? One of these NDAs, as they're known, they've become more and more popular to more or less try and keep things out of the public eye. Hockey Canada has admitted to using registration fees in a fund to pay off victims of sexual assault and try to silence them with these non-disclosure agreements. Should we even allow this to happen? And what are what are your rights if you're kind of confronted with this situation? Well, Dr. Julie McFarlane is a professor at the University of Windsor and co-founder of Can't Buy My Silence. That's a global campaign to ban the misuse of NDAs and joins us now to talk more about this. Dr. McFarland, thank you for joining us. First off, how pervasive is the use of non-disclosure agreements? Well, it's extremely widespread. Uh, obviously, given that these are secret settlements, that raises a difficulty immediately if you're trying to figure out how many there are. But we and other researchers have now used some anonymous um, surveying, and the conclusion is one in three workers will sign an NDA at some point during their working life. That's a lot. Are, are they, can, uh, can you actually be silenced by this, or are there certain circumstances under which they don't apply? Well, typically, NDAs apply to um, speaking to anybody. So typically, someone who signs an NDA is being told they cannot speak to their family, their friends, their work colleagues or former work colleagues, even to a therapist for the rest of their lives. And the reason that they are so hugely all-embracing like this is that NDAs weren't designed to cover up misconduct, although they've become very, very pervasively used for that. They were designed to protect trade secrets during the tech boom in the 1970s where people didn't want new innovations that were still taking shape to be carried to other organizations. But now they're being used to cover up all forms of misconduct, treating as them all as if they're some kind of trade secret. And so this can be, can they be run of the mill too? Or people, they just, you can't talk. We're going to pay you this amount of money and you can't talk. That, that's what the bargain is. Um, you know, now, interestingly, um, we increasingly suggest to people that they simply stand firm and say, if they don't want to sign and say, I don't want to sign an NDA. Um, and then it becomes clear that it's really a bluff because the party that's trying to get the complainant to sign an NDA, like Hockey Canada, like an employer, like the church, are the party that want no publicity. That's why they're so keen on the NDA. And of course, if they go to court, it'll all be public anyway. So we find that people who, who dig their heels in and resist will still get their settlements without an NDA. Right, but they have to make that bluff, and for a lot of people, they, they might need that money. Exactly. It's not something that everybody can possibly do. And also, you know, people are understandably, you know, in the moment, incredibly anxious. We know that there is a great deal of pressure being put on people to sign, not only by lawyers on the other side, but often by their own lawyers saying, oh, this is just normal, everybody does this. But I think 
that what isn't fully understood here is that these have a really traumatic impact on people. I mean, if you can imagine something bad happening to you and then you're not allowed to speak about it to anybody, um, that just, you know, re-traumatizes people. It also, as in the case of Hockey Canada, makes it very difficult to actually bring um, any of these, um, you know, issues to light and deal with them in a fair way because the NDAs that Hockey Canada has been dishing out have up until now very effectively buried complaints against them as well. I guess it doesn't seem right, Dr. Farland, that you could force someone or or get somebody to sign an NDA to cover up a potential crime. Like, how is that legal? Well, it's not. I mean, you know, you never lose the right, but this is, you know, why it's so important for me to talk to radio stations like yourself. It's so important that people understand that no NDA can stop them being a whistleblower and no NDA can stop them reporting a crime or a possible crime to police. But I think that the trouble is that most people don't realize that there are those distinctions and they just assume and become very concerned, obviously, about losing their compensation, become very concerned about any kind of breach. And, you know, just for just so that you realize this, even saying that you've signed an NDA is technically a breach of an NDA. So you can imagine how effective this threat is. Do you think that with all the attention this particular case is getting, the apology we heard from, you know, the London police chief, yes. do you think that will help towards educating people about what they can be silenced on and what they can't be silenced on? Well, that's what we really would hope, um, because there is, you know, a real, obviously, you know, regular people don't necessarily know all these finer distinctions. And I think that what happened yesterday at the press conference and what was clearly a genuine apology by Chief Jong, I think that there is a recognition, I saw a recognition there, that what happened here was wrong. And that was that the police effectively handed back this complaint to Hockey Canada. And this happens a lot with larger organizations. It's hard to prosecute sexual offenses. So the police say, oh, well, you know, if you're going to investigate, we'll just give it back to you. But when they do that, it becomes silenced in an internal investigation using an NDA. So there are many crimes that should be being um, fully investigated and charged, which just go back to the organization and get buried. And we certainly think that that is wrong. So, Dr. McFarlane, then what is your advice to someone who is being confronted with this choice of sign this NDA? Well, again, I would I would say remember that you have some power. The other side, the last thing they want is to see you in court, uh, even though they're going to be threatening you with, oh, you don't want to go to court, uh, really. Neither do they. So I would say if it's at all possible, dig in your heels. Um, we welcome people to contact us at can'tbuymysilence.com. There's a lot of information on our website. And we are just in the process of setting up a peer counseling program that we're hoping we can actually start to, to run um, out of a number of provincial agencies because people need to be able to talk to somebody about what to do. And I think definitely public knowledge is increasing um, and I think that that's going to be the key to getting legislative change and stopping people being faced with these. Dr. McFarlane, thanks for your time on this. You're welcome. That's Dr. Julia McFarlane, professor at the University of Windsor and co-founder of Can't Buy My Silence. It's a global campaign to ban the misuse of NDAs.